0: Well, hello, DMN readers and marketing pros. Welcome to the one-on-one podcast. I'm Chris Wood, associate editor of DMN, here today with Bree Taylor, head of all client services, and Alicia Denowden, account director for Fuse, based in
1: Toronto.
0: Toronto. (laughs) And how much cooler is it than 90 plus degrees in late August, New York? Oh my gosh.
2: It's actually like pretty warm out there. Yeah, a few degrees and a bit more humidity here, but
0: yes, yes, we'll go with it. We've got air conditioning here in our new D M N offices on Twentieth Street. So welcome both. I'm I'm, I'm glad that we have a chance to talk about uh, just on the agency side, which we don't really get into that much, and uh, you know how how brands are. Really pushing into retail and 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 adjusting to this, you know, omni-channel landscape. All of these uh, different channels. As an agency, what are you focusing on for your clients, and and who are the kind of clients that you uh, that you tend to work with?
2: Well, we work with a lot of traditional CPG clients. We also have mm-hmm. uh, a big financial client. Um, But I think as a trend for both of them, I mean, they're really working to build brand relevance with their consumers and they do that in a a lot of different ways. And uh, we talk a lot about technology and technology, you know, using technology to build more relevant campaigns and understand more about our consumers, get closer to them and really win their spots in the hearts and minds of, of consumers
1: yeah no i think like um we we try to know as much as we can about our, our target consumers through structured and unstructured data so that we can understand um what about our product or service they care about how to add value and ultimately to speak their language
0: yeah well, that connection and relevance with the with the customer so uh where, where do you get this data from in, in is it from the social channels or how how is that pulled in? Well,
2: I think we pull both structured and and unstructured. So more traditional research methods, which a lot of us are very familiar with, but something we do as well is use um, kind of social, social media listening tools. Um, So we use Crimson Hexagon. We use another tool called Quid, which is more pulling from um, you know media sources, so seeing what media is being published and what consumers are consuming, which we know has a, a big impact on their influence. But um, yeah, like I mean, we we are really looking for uh, consumer language. So how consumers are talking about our brands or talking about a category or service, and understanding the language they're using, so that ultimately we can uh, build campaigns that resonate in a stronger way. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Are there any big, like, kind of buzzwords that are cropping up this year, 2019? Anything off the top of your head?
1: Ooh. <laughs> in how, our, are, like, how is the
0: language changing?
1: I think that, like, I would say that people are people are pretty honest in social media. I think that's what's kind of taken me um, by surprise. <laughs> I think people would like I guess it's true you're in such a you're in that social community and you're with like your. everybody is your friend or family member so I feel like people are pretty comfortable in in telling the honest truth about um brands and and their life and kind of what they're up to and all that kind of thing so I think that some of that kind of starts to come to the forefront um honesty like um, and that and that could all be expressed through emojis yeah <laughs>
2: which is kind of funny which is a
0: different algorithm altogether than the traditional language english
2: yeah it's funny but like some of of the tools we look at can look at emojis and kind of get a sense of general feeling or um, emotion about a certain subject which is kind of hilarious as well but
1: Mm. yeah we have like um one of the brands that we work with are in kind of that uh cough and cold um like sickness space so we hear a lot about people just kind of like complaining about how sick they are and like what they're looking for and get down to like very specifics about like how sick they are so (laughs) which is actually like obviously super helpful for us to inform some of the language that we then respond to them with in our communications and all that kind of thing
0: I mean, does it inform the brand on how well their product is working? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, sometimes, yeah. yeah. like I think it, it does sometimes. And I
2: think, you know, for, for us in that category specifically, it, it did help inform, you know, the extreme symptoms. And sometimes our brand wasn't playing a role to soothe those symptoms. So it, it also drove some product innovation. Um, so yeah, I think it's just like a, it's kind of a very unstructured and unsolicited view of how consumers are feeling about stuff. So I think it's a great complement to more structured data because I think you can't, you can't do it alone in some cases, you know, like just taking conversational data and making, building strategies, I guess you could, but I think it it helps add the emotional layer to more traditional and structured, um, sources of, Mm -hmm. of insight.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. Are a lot of your brands looking at using like conversational bots, or are they using um, like chat bots?
2: Um, we don't do honestly. It's not something we deal with a lot. I mean, I think maybe some of the more service-based yes clients are doing that more so. Um, the financial brand that we work with doesn't, you know, isn't there yet in social media. Like they're not using a lot of their channels yet for customer service. Um, but we do see it a lot. It's not something that we,
0: we do a lot of. It seemed like for a couple of years, people were holding back because it wasn't the technology hadn't really caught up. And now that it is a little bit more, there might be a little bit more adoption. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. with like the use of AI in, in the conversational. But, uh, so are there certain channels? It seems like consumers talk differently in, in different uh, channels, whether it's like email or phone social media. Do you see a difference uh, with different social media platforms and is it more uh, useful to uh, use like paid advertising in in certain platforms versus others?
2: I mean, I think all social channels are paid now. I mean, I think organic reach is gone. (laughs) I think, you know, like earning, earning reach in, in social channels just isn't as effective as it used to be. I mean, if in, you know, two, three years ago, even it's not even that long ago, we would be building social calendars with 20 posts a month and, you know, putting it out organically and getting a pretty decent reach and good engagement. Um, but now it's all paid. So, you know, it's a much more sophisticated, uh, you know, uh, targeting and delivery of ads. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, you know, in fact, we just came out of a meeting with one of our clients, really talking about all the options. I mean, we're talking about uh, purchase-based targeting, so you know, using uh, credit card data to target our consumers on Facebook or target potential consumers on Facebook which is much more sophisticated than what we were doing before. Mm -hmm. We're also looking at um, sequential advertising, but it's across all of digital channels. So we could be connecting with someone in Instagram and and then following them over to Facebook and then perhaps delivering an ad in in another channel as well. So, you know, it's it's a lot more sophisticated than it used to be. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's also getting a lot closer to more traditional channels in terms of it being paid. I mean, social used to be a little different in that way. But I think, though, you know, building, Content and communication for Facebook and for Instagram still exists. Like, we still need to go as a brand with the right language yeah. so that we are, you know, not invading, we're joining a conversation. Yeah. And um,
1: relevant and, and like relevant. authentic. Yeah. And yeah, yeah coming off as like, well, that we truly know our customers and, and what they're feeling and thinking and doing and what they're interested in. And So,
2: with all of the access to the data we have, right? So if we talk about, you know, um, we're kind of, you know, I think as marketers, we can become a little bit paralyzed by it. And so when we talk about purchased based, uh, targeting, I mean, that's a pretty smart way to target, right? It's not too micro targeted, but it's, it's really understanding that we're going to serve a message to people that are at least interested in the category. Um, but I think that, you know, having access to so much, uh, data and having all the technology we do have it can become paralyzing right and that's actually one of the biggest challenges we're having with our with our clients and it's not challenged just with them but as a group and as partners you know it's it's trying to understand how to make sure that we're keeping in perspective that we are dealing with real human beings and You know, we need to build relevance and deliver our campaign messaging in a way that connects with them. Like, so let's not use technology uh, to overcomplicate things. And Mm -hmm. I think our ECD uh, says, and he probably took it from somewhere else, but, um, you know, technology should be viewed as salt. It's kind of like tasted, not seen. Um, and, And what that means is, you know, let's use technology and the data we have to add value and build relevance with our consumers, but... Yeah. but like enhance enhance our... Enhance it, it. Yeah. yeah. Like be smarter and, yeah. and about how we connect with our consumers and not do it in a super creepy way, right? Yeah. Like let's serve them an ad that they care about. Let's not creep them out by like following and picking up data that they don't want us to have and, you know, and kind of infringing on their privacy. And I think that mm-hmm. as, as marketers, it's, it's finding the simplicity or, like, taking it the complex and making it simple and using it in the right way mm-hmm. uh, to, to build those relationships. And I think that actually is the biggest challenge that we're facing with the overwhelming amount of data and the overwhelming ability to leverage technology.
0: Do yeah. you find that, that's, um, that when you're using those technology... The, the the data tech that you're kind of like that the consumer is a little bit more like intent is higher, like, like the like, technology numbers. in
2: terms of like where in the funnel, um, like what channels and and what technology we're using in different channels.
0: Right, being being more personalized later on in the buyer journey. Yeah,
2: well, I think too. I mean, in mass channels, I mean, in Canada, we can't do a lot of targeting. I think. In the U.S., you, they're getting a little better at understanding what people are consuming and being able to serve an ad through one box upstairs and then another one downstairs. I think it's a lot, a lot different in the U.S. than it is in Canada. Connecting um, the
0: dots, so to speak.
2: Yeah, but I think you know, definitely in um, digital channels, mm-hmm. you know, you can you're, you have a lot more ability to target. Right. But I think, you know, that, again, it goes back to we can micro target and we can build a spreadsheet of 50,000 ways or, or, you know, you know, all of these targets and all these messages and really overcomplicated. And in (laughs) fact, this is something we were talking about in the boardroom yesterday, Um, but we could be talking to ourselves and we could be overcomplicating it. Um, And so, you know, really, you know, finding the right target and building a personalized message, but not forgetting scale. Right. Because that's where efficiency comes in. And uh, and so it's, it's really finding that balance. Scale
0: yeah. is such an important aspect also if you're in the CPG space, I would think. Yeah. As opposed to some of these more boutique brands that have really grown up on the internet and used that relevance. Right. Consumers. I mean, they,
2: they, may, they may start as a cult brand with a very specific audience. Right. You know, and I think, well, the brands we, we are working with are, are very well established. So the targeting is quite complex. And in some cases you're choosing, right? You may have five or six audiences yeah. that, that interact with your product differently for different reasons. They have different occasions for usage, different attachments emotionally to your brand for different reasons. And for us, it's, it's, it's selecting the right audience that represents the most opportunity and focusing our marketing that way. And it may not just be one, it may be the top one to three, depending on the budget. But yeah, like we have to to find the efficiencies and find the biggest opportunity in those targets versus it being like cult status, like some of these smaller.
0: What you're describing a little bit is like the big data and that unstructured data of, of coming up with some kind of a predictive capability to really see where the opportunity is. Yeah. And how are some of these more traditional brands adopting the technologies, strategies? I mean,
2: some are doing it really well and in really interesting ways. Um, I mean, one of them that we've been looking at a lot is Burger King in the U.S., Uh, They're amazing at kind of leveraging technology to make an impact and make their budgets go a little further. I don't know if you've seen some of the work. You probably have some of the work they do kind of directly attacking McDonald's, uh, which is their direct competitor, but much deeper pockets. Um, For example, they did this campaign, actually. This one was in Brazil. They've done some cool stuff in the U.S. as well. Um, But they went out, scanned all of the McDonald's advertising in Brazil, loaded it into this app so that every time a consumer would put this app or their phone over top of the McDonald's ad, it would literally light it on fire within their app and deliver them a free Whopper coupon. So like that's a really cool way that technology was used or that Burger King's using technology to build relevance with their audience and directly impact their sales at the expense of their competitor, uh, McDonald's obviously. Um, but but you see them doing this kind of all over the world. In the US they did this program called Detour and they geo-fenced all of the McDonald's restaurants in the, I don't know, it was like 400 restaurants, maybe more. Yeah, hundreds, this, hundreds of them. Hundreds. <laughs> and um, basically challenged consumers to download the Burger King app. And when they got within this geo-fenced area, they would deliver them a free Whopper coupon. So it, it was just like using yeah. technology to really, you know, engage with people in their language and, and use technology, you know, as, you know, a way to enable a cool campaign versus mm-hmm. this kind of technology for technology's sake. In
0: this way the consumer is maybe a little bit more comfortable uh, with burger king knowing uh where they are yeah. <laughs> if you're getting a yeah. free whopper
2: exactly well that's a perfect example Breaking like the they're doing it to build relevance and like add value um versus like kind of um intrude or be creepy about it right and that you're absolutely right like that that they're really smart about how they're they're doing it um, you know even when we are talking about sequential buying you know we're not just going into one channel and delivering you know an eight frequency we're we're actually You know, using the technology to follow consumers through their journey, their digital journey, and deliver the messages where they are so we're not wasting, you know, impressions. So, you know, I think in in my, you know, direct experience with our clients anyways, I mean, that's really what, what we're doing.
0: So with this sequencing, um, what, what does that look like?
2: Well, I think or it's like how forms. complicated you make it. I mean, I think it, it could support, you know, 500 versions or something that we're looking yeah. at. But again, it comes to the, the art of simplicity, right? I mean, you don't need all of those messages. Maybe you have three to four messages and you deliver those in a sequence, but the frequency is at a certain amount, right? Like, yeah. so I think, you know, you could get buried in the opportunity to target with specific messages and quarter like in some cases it makes a ton of sense in others you know you're just overcomplicating
1: for the yeah, sake of overcomplicating. Like, been, like sequencing has been coming to us a lot i think as a as a solution i would say over the past few years i know like some previous brands that i've worked on where they just had so many things to say so it became like a solution to get all of their messages across. But to Bree's point, we had to, you, you had to put like um, a limit on it at some point so that you just stick to those key messages, talk about the main things that are actually going to move the brand forward, and then, and then kind of tuck some of that other information, perhaps on their website or to like something that you're clicking through to, as opposed to adding on like, we're going to do nine different sequential messages here. We'd like to keep it to like maybe two or three or... Um, take you through a little bit more of a journey, or tell a, it helps to tell a better story and that kind of thing.
0: Storytelling is so important, even um, on so a platform <laughs> like a single platform like Instagram. You know. Yeah,
1: I think we're learning we're learning more and more how important it is to tell a story and to tell a story in like the shortest amount of time possible. Like I think we're now um, uh, like I remember always doing 60 second tv commercials and then like obviously eventually they're cut down to 30 and 15 and now like we're looking at three and six second video ads in facebook and instagram or i think like the craziest thing that i've been seeing is uh the movement from going like instagram in feed and then moving to stories so we're, we're starting to see that people's focus is like just it's being cut down to seconds so you're literally going from like I don't want to I don't want to scroll through my feed anymore on Instagram I actually just want to tap through the stories so it's getting to that point so I think it's been a pretty huge challenge I think for our creative teams and for our strategy teams to kind of come up with a brief that makes us tell a story in like less than six seconds so it's been a pretty interesting journey from going from like a, a really beautiful 30 second spot to like Something just as impactful in six seconds. Yeah. While delivering all the, you know, the, the important brand
2: cues and branding yeah. that we need to yes. actually move the needle. Right. I mean, cause even how these, these platforms are, are, are measuring success. I mean, they're doing brand list studies on Facebook where they're asking very traditional measurement questions, right? Right. Brand, brand recall, brand intent to purchase. So you know, building social that is too much of a story that doesn't—it's not rooted in the brand—you know—doesn't perform well against those measures. So as an agency, it's tough. It's like finding the balance to build content for consumers in a channel that you know they want to be entertained in, and then delivering some of the core elements required to actually impact the brand and key metrics, right? So right. it's actually a really yeah. challenging channel to do really well in. And it's constantly changing, of course. Um, you know, Facebook will change mid-campaign and you have to completely re- readjust everything. Yeah. So
0: And measurement's so important I, and, a, and a constant challenge when there's multiple platforms like in our omni-channel world. So, yeah. I mean, can you uh, account for the entire sequence, the impact of the overall campaign, or is it that you're getting split up in the different platforms?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there are measures to see how your brand is doing overall in the market. I mean, uh, brand awareness or, um, you know, likability scores. I mean, I think there's some research that can tell you overall whether they can attribute it specifically to a channel. I mean, I don't know. I think it's still measured quite Separately.
0: And then we were just talking about, uh, you know, so this is, this is the, uh, the, the journey of the campaign and, and the journey of the story that the brand is telling, but there's also the customer journey. And big brands are trying to get it shorter, even though it gets more and more complicated.
2: Yeah, that's right. And I think we deal a lot with um, brands that do deal in very traditional retail models, so they aren't selling direct to consumer. Um, and they are constantly trying to, A, understand that journey and impact it because it's complicated, as you say, um, but technology is also allowing us to shorten um, that journey. So if you think about, you know, Alexa, which is, I think, still in, in infancy for brands and, and how consumers are using it on any mass scale, but, you know, consumers can be in their house doing their chores and reorder their cleaning supplies, you know, with, with you know, a voice command. Um, and Amazon can have it delivered in 24 hours. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is still new and, I, and we haven't bit worked with any brands that are able to do it, and I think the service is still being developed. I don't even know if it's completely possible yet. Um, but that is shortening that journey significantly for brands. Um, and um, you know that end run or that end you know, those final steps in that journey are typically controlled by the retailer. So for a traditional CPG brand,
1: yeah. You know, that's a big deal. It's like online grocery shopping. Like there's some opportunities there that are starting to pop up with like big grocer names and, and, you know, having certain ads pop up as you're kind of looking through your stuff or... I think, like, that's creating a, a much quicker, like, direct-to-purchase as opposed to going through that traditional funnel of awareness, consideration, trial, all that kind of thing. But, yeah, it's happening. It's slowly happening. I think we're going to see it, like, a lot more in the next few years.
0: Will brands turn over that responsibility to the retailer then, or how are they working together?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the retailers are leading the charge, Um at least in, in our market, in Canada, um, yeah, I mean, they, they own all the relationships. Right now, they own the consumer data for the most part. I mean, um, right. they have the retail stores uh, and the direct-to-consumer set up, whether it be Walmart. I mean, Amazon obviously is massive. Um, Shoppers Drug Mart, you know, they, they still own those final miles. So I mm-hmm. think they are controlling that right now. Um, I mean, yeah, we've had, we've had discussions with our, some of our clients about, you know, what if you went direct, what if you, you know, set up a subscription-based kind of program, you know, but we're just not, we're not there yet. I mean, we don't have, and they don't have the infrastructure to do it properly. Mm -hmm. And so I think the, they still are really dependent on the retailers to drive that forward.
0: Yeah. I mean, subscription services are just a, a huge opportunity. It seems in the retail on the brand side.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, it, I mean, it's an interesting space just to see. And I'm just wondering—you mentioned voice before. Um, what about voice search? Uh, oh, you... uh-huh. yeah, it's something yeah. We we've
2: been looking at. That it's, yeah, it's yeah. something we talk about a lot. Again, um, our clients aren't there yet. Um, it's something that is still presented in, you know, trend. Uh, reports and presentations you know this is coming this is coming you know what's what's going to be the voice of your brand and you know what what's your brand's voice actual voice going to sound actual like voice. yeah yeah for um, sure yeah so we've had some interesting discussions but I would say like it's, it's not quite there yet
0: technology's still in the works I'm certainly to blame because I do cover that and speculate with oh, okay. <laughs> whoever I well, ask there it's one of go. my favorite questions I, <laughs> get it to you ahead of time but wow this is a wonderful discussion i'm so glad you found some time uh, in new york to stop by our new office yeah Yeah, thanks
2: for hosting us thanks for having us and
0: and everybody thanks for listening and be sure to check out dmnews.com for your data strategy and technology news thanks everybody for listening